0: hello everyone and welcome back to another awesome episode of the biff bites podcast i'm your host jerry me and joined this week by the one and only adam Shear. how's it going adam
1: i'm doing all right jerry how are you
0: (laughs) i'm good i'm good we're at the uh just past the halfway mark for uh this exam cycle so you know feeling the momentum building doing pretty good i'd say
1: yeah yeah uh you and i have a A session that we're co-leading coming up after the Memorial Day holiday, and uh, we just keep on trucking along here, but yeah, it's getting more real for those students out there. So uh, I know you and I discussed before we went live, but at the end of this episode, uh, we planned a little discussion just about some good exam stuff that the students should be studying.
0: Yep. So stay tuned towards the end. We're going to get towards, uh, you know, how everything we talk about on this episode relates back to the exam itself. But, uh, you know, up front, we just kind of wanted to have a conversation about just, you know, the housing market and, you know, what it's like shopping for a house in uh, Reno, <laughs> this crazy time that we're in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm going to be a substitute uh, pod podcast host for a moment and uh, (laughs) we're going to put Jerry in the hot seat because uh, I'm not sure if Jerry had shared this before on the pod, but he is in the process with his girlfriend of of looking to purchase a home. And uh, we thought it'd make for an interesting episode because we know a lot of the clients that you'll be working with out there uh, will likely be in the same place in this crazy housing market. So we thought it'd be interesting to just get Jerry's experiences, insights and it's kind of where he and his girlfriend are at right now, with with all the ups and downs and crazy numbers that seem to be coming in month to month. Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: it it is really interesting, kind of looking at the home buying purchase uh, process from a CFP point of view, but also being from the buyer's point of view. Yeah, it, it is funny putting it into real world practice, and you know, I've definitely picked up on a couple things that we'll talk about where I almost feel we might want to even add it into the curriculum that I think the CFP board themselves might even be behind the ball a bit when it comes to how they teach this sort of thing in in the curriculum itself.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I know we're kind of getting ahead a little bit here, but you're, you're in an interesting place because you have all of the CFP knowledge, right? Just about the mechanics, about where this fits in from a, you know, Personal uh, statement of financial position standpoint, right, and about what building equity in a home could mean and big mm-hmm. strategies, right. You have all that knowledge, but what I'm curious about is just how, what types of surprising feelings have come up just from like that behavioral place? <laughs> have you been having any like anything that surprised you come up in you where you're like, whoa, whoa, hold on? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so i mean this is definitely where me and my girlfriend differ on a few things is uh i feel i'm kind of the one i'm a very conservative by nature so i end up having to you know kind of reel her back into down to earth a little bit or it's like you know hey maybe we can't have a home with you know two bathrooms you need to focus on a one bathroom as a as a starter home or sure. um you know maybe we need to go with something that may be a little outdated and, and do some updates because Um, you know, especially the region that we live in, in the, in the Northeast, um, there's a lot of competition for homes. Uh, there is a home shortage like no other, and that definitely drives prices up to some pretty astronomical figures. Uh, so it's, it's kind of tough, you know, being the bad guy sometimes saying, Hey, you know, this two bedroom, two bath is not worth $800,000. We, uh, probably should not be looking at this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, That's tough um, because I'm sure, you know, underneath all that is just, hey, we want to lead the quality of life that that we want to lead. And and this is going to be a part of that. Right. Like having our own space, like we're going to be able to to treat it as our own and to enjoy it. Right. Yeah. And And it's also. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: I was just saying, like, you know, it's also about, you know, keeping that balance because, you know, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You want to try and maintain an emergency fund as well. You don't want to, you know, be, you know, uh, house house rich, but, uh, you know, cash poor, you know, pour yeah. all of your assets into this one one asset. And then, you know, something else, other emergency comes up. And now, you know, you don't have the cash to uh, to, you know, take care of that because you've just dumped everything into a down payment.
1: Yeah, of course. Well, why don't we we step back just to kind of uh, some basics. So when did you and your girlfriend make the the choice as a couple to start looking?
0: Yeah, I would say we're definitely kind of ahead of the game than most because we've already been looking, you know, looking at houses, at listings and things like that for about five months now. Okay. And we're not even planning on buying until October. That was actually one surprise we have is we went and we got like pre-approved for a home loan. And then we realized like it's only good for 90 days. And so oh, yeah. we're like, we're like way ahead of the game in that. So we're like, okay, that, that was something we learned about that, you know, we shouldn't even be, you know, filling out this paperwork just yet if we're not ready to to buy for you know five, six sure. months.
1: Yeah. And without getting into specifics, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull in a little more behavioral stuff. Um is what they pre-approved you for. Has that become sort of an anchor point, or are you aware of like here's where we're comfortable? Here makes is where it makes sense. Um, this is what we're pre-approved for. Like, has has there been any movement towards a pre-approval number? Um, anything like that happen? I would almost say
0: it's the opposite, and that the bank was pushing us to go higher.
1: Whoa, okay. And yeah. I
0: I think that's part of, you know, I'm very conservative by nature. I've run the math a million times. I know our sure. incomes. I know what we can afford. Um, you know, what we're comfortable with. And then the bank comes back and goes, We'll approve you for a hundred thousand dollars more than you were asking for. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, well, thanks. That's good to know that you know we have that available. But yeah, I was kind of surprised because I was worried they were gonna come in, you know, especially with, you know. We'll talk about the rates environment and and everything the banks, you know, especially the banking crisis that just happened. I yeah. was afraid that they were going to way under undershoot what we were looking for, but now they came sure. back and they're like, "Nope, here's <laughs> here's way more than you were asking for."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's amazing how that works. Um, and I'm I'm guessing you're you're working with a, a real estate agent as well.
0: So no, we actually haven't uh, worked with a real estate agent. Oh, yet, okay, so. Yeah, we're, uh we're mostly doing kind of the home research doing lots of like Zillow and Redfin. And I will say the home buying experience now is a lot easier for individuals with just, you know, the advent of the internet, it is sure. much easier to, you know, look at real estate without having a real estate professional by your side, you know, sure. putting things in front of you.
1: Yeah. Um, so, again, without giving personal info out there to the masses, so your your market that you're looking at um, is kind of right outside metro- major metropolitan hub, right? So yeah. Um, so and and traditionally, uh, from what what we've you know looked up, and I'm sure you're aware of, like generally higher prices relative to the nation. I mean, even in times unlike these, right? So right. The quote unquote normal times in the real estate market, it's a pretty desirable place to be, right?
0: Yeah, and that also kind of going back to the behavioral finance and then the power of the internet is it's yeah. kind of a double-edged short is, you know, now that we have all this information at our fingertips, one thing that we see that probably a real estate agent wouldn't tell us is mm-hmm. right on Zillow and Redfin is you have the sale history of those properties. So you get to see, exactly what those ho- houses sold for mm-hmm. in the past and that is definitely putting a lot of you know fear in my mind because i look at this price history and it's like $500,000 house sold in 2020 for 250,000 oh. <laughs> sold in 2018 for oh. 190,000 and i'm just like this looks a lot like a bubble. Do I actually want to be, you know, the one yeah. buying at the very top of the bubble? Like this, this does not seem like sustainable growth, you know, seeing these yeah. houses that have doubled or in sometimes tripled in price in the last, you know, five years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's gotta be a really tough one to navigate. Yeah. Just being able to see not too long ago, had we been in this place? We could have got this for 50% of the price. Yeah. And and,
0: you know, we haven't even talked about interest rates yet, how how our, our total mortgage payment, when we talk about kind of the math of calculating that out, you know, we're looking at a hundred thousand dollars more in interest than if we had just bought the same exact property a year ago for the same price, just because, you know, interest rates have gone from 3% to six or 7% now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it's incredible how quickly that, that went up. Um, but getting, you know, getting kind of into, uh, you know, how has the interest rate piece, how has that, if at all, uh, affected your timeline? Have you, have you added more time just kind of where the rates are now and just want to kind of, kind of see things settle? Or are you still holding true, like just being measured about it, keeping your eyes open? Like, how are you managing that? Has that influenced your decision making at all just with, with how high things are? Yeah, so like thirty um, year, right? Thirty years, seven percentish, right now. Yeah,
0: we got quoted at like six point five, but I'm okay. sure it's going to be higher when we're actually time, you know, to buy. Just yeah, like yeah, interest rates yep. are still going up. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been pretty much holding steady because we kind of have the emergency escape route uh, that we keep telling ourselves: of well, we can all- always refinance later. Sure. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, actually a realistic, <laughs> you know, expectation. I don't know if we'll ever go back down to two or three percent mortgages, but who knows? So yeah, I mean, we we try not to think about it too much, but we just keep telling ourselves, like, you know, this is our first home. It's not our forever home. Um yeah. we we don't we really even though we're getting a 30 year mortgage, we don't expect to be finishing out this 30 year mortgage by any means.
1: Sure. Got it. And you brought up a really good point just about the the higher home prices I would imagine would make it all the more difficult for a lot of families and couples and individuals to get to that 20% down payment mark, right? Where you Mm. need to land your down payment to avoid having to pay uh, that extra PMI fee per month. I'm sure that's something you have to navigate too, is right. Well, we're going to possibly have to accept the lower down payment just so that we keep our other financial world intact. So like you said, we're not overextended in, in the house. Right.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we've basically, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that we're not going to be able to put 20% down. Sure. I don't think any first time home purchaser, unless they're getting a, You know, a gift from relatives, uh, or you know, are independently wealthy or something like that. They're just not putting twenty percent down. Anyone is. Yeah. Twenty percent down is basically for people looking at their second or third home, and you know, have a chunk of change from selling their previous resident. Yeah. uh, Residence. So you know that's something we've we've come to conclusion, and it's we're actually looking at a lot of programs because of that. So one thing is uh, USDA loans. Mm -hmm. So um, U.S. Department of Agriculture, um, they have a program that allows you to put 5% down and get a mortgage through the Department of Agriculture, with the stipulation being that you basically have to buy a house that isn't in the city. Oh, okay. Even in the Northeast, which is a very, you know, densely populated part of the country, you'd be surprised as what actually counts as quote unquote rural. Um, yeah. you know, so there, there's lots of, uh, homes that we're looking for, for that. Cause we're not looking to be like right in downtown, right in the city, or even necessarily like right in the suburbs. But if you go, uh, you know, a, a little bit outside of the cities, a lot mm-hmm. of those properties qualify for the USDA loans and they're, they're pretty nice and they're very forgiving in, you know, the requirements needed in order to, to get a loan through the
1: department of agriculture. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Um, and, and interesting, I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, uh, that
0: was that was a surprise I, for me as well when we started looking into this whole process and looking into because I think uh, you know PMI insurance is is like the biggest scam in the world. You know, oh, you, yeah, <laughs> you, you, you pay the insurance, and then the bank collects if you default. So you know, <laughs> it's I my goal was to try and avoid uh, uh, PMI insurance completely, but I don't know if it's going to be a possibility. But it did lead me down a rabbit hole of looking at all of these alternatives and different programs that are available.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the, the hidden costs that don't get thrown into some of those projections. I know on most of those websites you go to a Zillow, for instance, right? They're going to do the, the napkin math, the yeah. very basic napkin math without all costs included. Yeah, And one yeah. of the things that's never included is PMI costs in that. And, right. um yeah, that could be that could be a sizable chunk. I mean, you can certainly do other things with that money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that are, are way better uh, for yourselves, or even just as like a, a fund that you can, you know money you could use to spend. But uh, that's interesting about the Department of Culture uh, Agriculture, and um, I'd like to learn more about how, how that works. That's that's interesting because I know um, even here in Connecticut, you you go outside of, I mean, even one town removed from Hartford. Mm-hmm. And you have plenty of homes that are on big lots of land with with clearly some farm fields there. So yeah,
0: yeah. basically, it's like is is the home on sewer or is it septic? If it's septic, it almost is guaranteed to qualify for yeah. USDA loans. And even if it is on sewer, there's still lots of other things. You know, you have to be basically X amount of miles outside of a major city. Yeah. Um. You know, things like that. It doesn't really matter about the size of the land. You could even have a next door neighbor that's a stone throw away, and it would still get classified as as rural, as long as you know it it meets the other requirements.
1: Yeah. Well, so with with October, kind of like the where you're targeting, um, what are you doing in between? I mean, you still actively checking to to see what's out there. I mean, have you? Have you selected specific towns just based on what you and, and your girlfriend are looking for?
0: Yeah, pretty much. So I'm definitely the flexible one, you know, because of the nature of our, our work, you know, it's very oh, really yeah. mode. I, I can basically, you know, I'm like, Hey, you want to go live in middle of Wyoming and get a, get a mansion <laughs> for a hundred thousand dollars. And that unfortunately doesn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> um but my girlfriend uh, works in a hospital, so we're okay. basically anchored to hospitals. We basically looked at okay, where are the hospitals in the region? Sure. And those are the areas that we can we can look at as far as where we can live because yeah. she has to commute to work every day. Also, both of our families, you know, are in the area. You know, yeah. right now we literally live down the street from her parents. So well, that's good. Um, you know, I want to stay close to family as well. So, you know, we've kind of identified five or six towns that, that we would be willing to move to that are, you know, Mm -hmm. within our price range. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, it's kind of difficult in the beginning where you just look at a map and you just see all of these little pin pinpoints in the map of how homes for sale. And you're like, man, I don't even know where to start. You know, is this a good area? Is this a good area? But, uh, yeah, we're constantly just, you know, texting and emailing each other back and forth, different listings whenever one comes up. You know, we're both signed up for all the notifications. Every time a new home gets listed, we get a little email pop up saying, hey, this home is for sale for X amount of dollars. Check it out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And do you, so right now from what you're tracking with, are homes still kind of on and then almost instantaneously off the market? I mean, is it that quick or is there a little bit more of a lag now?
0: It depends. So we have been noticing there are more deals and those get snapped up very quickly. So okay. there are homes that are like brand new renovation, um, you know, good good neighborhood, um, you know, reasonably priced going, you know, it's maybe it's a $450,000 house and the estimate is four sixty thousand dollars mm. And we see those ones, you know, sell pretty instantaneously. Yeah. But then there are other homes where I think people are still thinking that they're in. I, I'm definitely noticing a shift going from a, a seller's market to a buyer's market because yeah. there are people who think that they're still in this like you know crazy seller's market and they can get away with just absolute highway robbery. Like <laughs> one house we looked at was like, oh this this is nice. Like anytime a home comes up that's like three hundred thousand dollars, we immediately check it out because like a three hundred thousand dollars is absurdly low for this area.
1: Yeah, yeah. and it's
0: like. It was listed $300,000, like, oh, this looks nice, like waterfront property. And you're like, wow. whoa, that's crazy. Let's check this out. And we, we pull it up, and it's a $300,000 uh, two-bedroom house. And uh, for our listeners, I'm doing uh, air quotations, <laughs> <laughs> 200000 uh $300,000 house. And then we look at the details, and it's no running water.
1: Um and it's
0: it's basically only inhabitable uh three seasons out of the year because it it's not insulated. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's it's literally in someone's backyard. Like so it's it's basically this person's (laughs) boathouse is what they're They're selling and they want $300,000 for a boathouse. <laughs> and we're just like, so yeah, that one is still on the market. That one gets oh, emailed to us every once in a while saying, "Hey, you check this house out. You want to take another look at it?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> no thanks, we'll pass. We my wife and I had a very similar uh experience. It was last summer we take a annual trip up to coastal Maine. And um, I've always talked about it would be so much fun to have a house there one day that we can go on vacation in and maybe rent out. But this house came up in an area that we love. It was on Deer Isle, Maine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we knew the exact location because we passed it all the time when we're going to various places there. And we got in touch with the broker and talked to them a little bit. And uh, they're like, "Oh, this would be great for you." And if you're, you're DIYers, and that's like a, a warning flag.
0: Already. That is a huge red flag.
1: Are a DIYer? <laughs> um, but it turned out we we sent a picture along to our friend, who is kind of like a master craftsman. He like designed yeah. and built his own home, right? Uh-huh. And we're like, "Could you just scope this out? Can we can we actually work with this? Like, what would we have to do?" And he looked at it. He's like, "Well, for starters." Uh, it's in Maine, it gets cold up there and, uh, they didn't put any of the foundation stuff deep enough in the earth. So you'd have to actually lift the house, build a foundation and start from scratch. But I hear you on that because those are out there and they yeah. look so appealing, right? And I think one of those things you could do with cameras, like in camera angles, it's like, wow, this is a really nice looking house. And you get out there and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, It's another, on stilts. Right. Another big red
0: flag is like we get these houses and it's like, you know, oh, it's within our price range, it's in a good neighborhood. And then we look at the pictures and it's like it's all exterior shots. Oh, Not yeah. Single, <laughs> single shot of the inside. I'm like, okay, that's a big red flag.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what's inside? Yeah. So
0: yeah, they're uh, like and we have seen some price reductions. Like we have been getting a couple emails saying it's like, hey, this house you looked at just had a ten thousand dollar price reduction. So oh, okay that sort of thing was unheard of you know a year ago sure so the fact that that's happening at all is is definitely reassuring Mm -hmm. and you know it's definitely not easy i would say probably for every 15 homes we look at yeah one of them is within our price range and is actually worth the value
1: okay Um, yeah
0: but it's better than zero because a year ago that that number was probably zero and yeah now we're actually seeing homes that you know actually look worthwhile, don't don't aren't, you know, don't need a serious amount of work and aren't being sold absolutely instantly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um I I continue to wish you good luck on this front. And I, I hope uh for our listeners hearing this, uh, you know, it opens the door to some good conversations with your, your clients who are in this because I feel like your story is is shared by so many across the country, many of whom are working with with financial professionals. Um, what we want, I was hoping we could do, um, is pivot kind of into, you know, we looked at Jerry the the home buyer, right? Yeah. Let's let's pivot back into Jerry CFP instructor, and um, and open up a discussion just on how this translates to what the students are going to be potentially seeing on their exam. Right. Um, yeah.
0: So one, one kind of transitional point I want to make before we move into. Oh yeah. Is, go for uh, it. One thing I think that probably the curriculum and the CFP board could, could do with updating. Yeah. Is uh pity. So we, we drive pity home a lot. Um, yeah. So we got principal interest, tax and insurance. Yep. You now those are the four costs of owning a home. Yep. And I think in this day and age, maybe it's just the region we're looking in. Um, you know, maybe other parts of the country are different. But I feel that pity should be updated to pity H, <laughs> which is principal, insurance, tax, uh, interest, and homeowners association. Oh yeah, yeah. I would <laughs> say probably at least seventy-five percent of houses that we look at have some type of homeowners uh, association fee associated with it. Yeah, and the fees are absurd. It's like yeah. $700 a month homeowners association Get out of here. 500 like the lowest the lowest homeowners association that we saw was $300 a month That's on, insane. on average I would say homeowners association fees are about $500 and this isn't even like condos like I would understand it for like condos and things yeah, like of that, but, yeah of course yeah this is like like actual homes That's wild. And and we look at it, it's like, so what is the homeowners association fee actually covering? And it's things like trash removal, snow removal, uh, you know, general upkeep of public spaces. And I'm like, well, that's nice, but I don't want to pay $500 a month for those sorts of things. Like, I can deal with those sorts of things myself. Yeah. But it's actually been very difficult for us to locate homes that do not have homeowners associations. Wow.
1: Yeah. That's, that's very surprising.
0: Yeah. And when you're looking, you know, you're looking at a house and it has a mortgage of, you know, a a pity of 2,500. Yeah. And then you tack on a $500 homeowners association. Like that is a significant cost to take into account as well. And I'm I'm having to do those, that, that math, I'm adding it in, you know, this is the principal, this is the insurance, this is taxes. And then also this is the homeowners association.
1: Wow. Thanks for sharing that. That's really surprising. And that's probably one of those costs where, what are the odds it's going to go down in the future? Right. I, I mean, it's I, at the very least, I'll just stay that way for for years. And my bet would be it's going to increase as costs increase.
0: Yeah, and I've noticed that's a lot of if you're looking at any newer uh, newer built homes, it's like these developers are basically building up a neighborhood. You know, yeah. got a cul-de-sac. They build, you know, fifteen homes all in the cul-de-sac, and then they institute this homeowners association that they run. So it's almost like the home builders are like, still, it's like, okay, we we got one payment. Now let's get
1: next payment. Oh so yeah. I mean, like they're, yeah, they're
0: keeping their toes dipped in dipped into it. So they're even after they sell the homes, they're still making profits on them. You
1: no know, HOA annuity for them, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because that, that's just recurring. It's month to month, and I. I mean, that's got to be significant with the way that a lot of these developments are being built as well, right? And these neighborhoods are being built where it's just, you know, 50, 100, 150 homes, kind of like all in one area, right? Yep. One neighborhood. Wow, that's that's crazy. I agree with you. I think that that if if CFP is real world and the real stuff, that should certainly be in there. and And so should the PMI piece. I think mm-hmm. the reality for a lot of people is, is that that's in there as well. And, yeah, and you combine I think, that. I think, I think
0: look, people roll that in with insurance. Like at least that's what I do when I'm doing the math. Like I take sure. the insurance costs and I include the PMI as just like an add on to that. Extra insurance.
1: insurance. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it seems like a, like a, a cup full of nothing is what you buy there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, yep, at exactly. least with my insurance policy, you know. I have, I have the liability coverage, I have the structure coverage of my home, homeowner, homeowner's policy. But yeah, that's uh, that's really good stuff. And that, you know, question for you is, is that reflected in some of those Zillow estimates? Like let's say you go on Zillow and it's saying, this home will cost you X dollars a month. Call the realtor.
0: Yeah, um, that's a good question. So it's definitely listed on Zillow. That's how we see it. It's, it's listed, listed okay. on Zillow, but I don't yep. know if it's included because they do the monthly estimate. Like yep. this is going to cost you X amount. I think the monthly estimate is is literally just principal and interest. I yeah. don't think it takes into account anything else.
1: And well, moving you know, moving away. So that's one angle we got right. The other one is 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 totally in your wheelhouse, Jerry. Just with uh, some of the calculation and calculator stuff, right?
0: Yeah, I feel it's probably one of the more difficult things that you will use the calculator for. On the Not. exam, I feel it's something. At least from my personal experience working with students, tutoring yeah. in the in the review program, it's always the one that people get tied, uh, you know, tied up in. And I think it's just yeah. because it uses a lot of uh, keystrokes that you don't use anywhere else, mm-hmm. uh, namely the the amortization key. So um, it's something that you only use uh, for mortgage calculations. I guess you would mm-hmm. also use it for you know any other type of like car loans or something like that, but. As far as the CFP board t- tests it on, it's pretty much only for for mortgage calculations. Um, but once you kind of get a hang of it, uh, it's it's very powerful. You know, yeah. it's oh, very yeah. useful being able to sit there and and do that math. And I and I find myself doing it constantly while I'm looking <laughs> at, at houses. And I kind of have to be the bearer of <laughs> bad news. You know, with my girlfriend's like, oh, what about this house? And I you know take out the HP twelve C and say, ah, uh, this isn't going to work. <laughs>
1: We need that for, that That might be some new BIP swag, like kind of like the, the House Hunters um, financial calculator holster, right? Yeah. So it's just it's just like, it's like one of those old BlackBerry, like, belt things. <laughs> so yep. you could just take out the calculator and whoop, 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 get that thing in there and, and yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah. And there's a... Yeah. I, I I definitely did that when I bought my car. I think we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, before. yeah. I brought my uh-huh. 12C to the dealership, and I was running the math on the 12C. <laughs> um, so I definitely foresee myself doing that in a certain sure. real estate offices in the future.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think one of the interesting things to note there is, so with your your personal residence, I was actually just talking this through in our tax planning class last night. Um. If you have a personal use home, so it's just your residence, mm-hmm. there's a couple of cool things that happen on the tax side. Um, number one is that the interest that you pay uh, on that loan, assuming that the loan is $750,000 or less, yep. is something that would go on your Schedule A when you file, and that could potentially be itemized, uh, considered an itemized deduction if you itemize. So if your itemized deductions in total are higher than the standard deduction, your, your home interest flows through to there. Um, another interesting piece is with amortization schedules, right? So, you know, I could see the visual now, but on the front end of those loans, you're paying pretty much all interest. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and you could see that very easily if you were to practice with your calculator, all right, what do years one through 10 look like? You know, what's the ratio of interest paid versus principal paid? And a lot of people are surprised when they get a third of the way through their 30-year mortgage. You're like, I've only paid that much in principal. Right, and, it's uh,
0: depressing. <laughs> it's very depressing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's one of those things with with refinancing to the same uh, length of time, right? Like if I go from a 30-year to a 30-year, well, then I'm in a place where I'm, paying all that interest once again, and I have to go through the whole schedule. Um, But those are two interesting taxes. And the third piece, so personal use home. Um, There's this really cool rule. It's called the Augusta rule. It was named after the the golf course, the the famous golf course. Uh And what would happen is that people around Augusta, because of all all of the folks that would come to watch the, the golf tournament, they'd rent out their homes. And they were all getting this rental income. So there's there's this thing called the Augusta Rule. It's not in the tax code. This is what people refer to it as.
0: Colloquially. colloquially.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So the Augusta Rule is you can rent your personal home out um, for 14 or fewer days, and you flat out don't have to report the income. So if I'm on my summer vacation to Maine and I want to rent my house out to someone who wants to stay and vacation in west hartford connecticut i mean uh, god bless you but uh, <laughs> that 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 income that that my wife and i get doesn't have to be reported period yeah. um so anyway short little tax diversion for some of the stuff over in the tax world that ties to the house stuff
0: yeah definitely definitely important and highly testable yeah um, for for the calculator stuff i don't really want to get into like the mechanics of it right now but i will say i do believe we have a, a youtube video on how to how to do it so if you're looking for you know the actual calculations for uh mortgage amortization definitely check out uh biff Bytes on youtube we got a nifty youtube channel with lots of uh tutorial videos
1: yeah lots of good stuff and and if you haven't heard or haven't been following for the past little while we are we're weekly now so uh we got these coming out every week which has been a lot of fun to do um the the other piece with just home stuff, right, is your house is is a pretty significant financial asset. I think for many people, it's like it's yeah. going to be the largest thing that's going to be on your balance sheet, right, on your, uh, your yeah. net, worth, net worth statement.
0: I, I feel uh, home ownership is probably one of the one factors that touches on all six core uh, CFP yeah. curriculum pieces because- it's certainly an investment, you know. It's probably the biggest investment that you have. Yeah, They're only going to pay a lot of taxes on it, so taxes are going to are going to come into it in, uh, uh, you know, very strongly. Uh, behavioral biases you know, people care a lot <laughs> about their homes, yeah. Uh, so that that is a, a, a sure surely a factor. You're definitely going to insure it, Yep. one hundred percent. Um, and then there are various things that you can do, like reverse mortgages and things like that, to help in retirement.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Absolutely. And then
0: eventually, you know, the goal is, you know, you're gonna leave the house to your loved ones. So it's gonna yeah. have significant estate planning. So yeah, the the home is is it it is the bread and butter of a CFP for sure.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, homes also on the estate front can be held in trusts, yeah. right? Um, in fact, there's a grantor trust that is designed specifically for that called the QPERT, uh qualified mm-hmm. personal residence trust. And um I mean, really the way that that works is you put the home in a trust. The grantor, the person that started the trust, has access to the home. They could still live there throughout the trust term, which is a number of years that the estate planning attorney and the, the client would work out. Uh, after that, the uh, trust passes along to its beneficiaries. And the, the interesting thing that happens after that Is that the original grantor, I always imagine this to be a family member, like an older family member living in the home that they own, right? Mm -hmm. That original homeowner who's still living in the house has the kindness and generosity to pass this thing along to their probably younger generation, right? Their children. Um, Children get ownership of the home. They then have to, this is in the design of these things, they have to charge market rate rent yep. <laughs> to the parent in order for them to stay in there, <laughs> which I think is just like, you know, let no good deed go unpunished. Yep. Um, well, yeah. The- so that's a little bit about, about the estate planning. You're absolutely right. I think it's a great point, Jerry.
0: Yeah. Well, the whole, the whole point of the Cupert though is to get it out of the owner's estate, you know, Correct. So that they don't have to yeah. pay
1: estate taxes on it. 100%. And the reason for that right is that it occupies so much space on that net worth statement right right yeah. so what what we tell people in the program a lot is anytime anything is going to occupy a lot of space in the estate that's when one of those higher net worth estate planning strategies are going to come into play right um, you see the same thing with with life insurance and islets with irrevocable life insurance trusts um but yeah yeah. That, those are some of the many places I'm sure that we can come up with a longer list, Jerry. If said. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, anything else to, to wrap up?
0: No, I mean, I would just say uh, there's lots of kind of interesting nooks and crannies, uh, you know, pun intended <laughs> with both uh, home ownership and uh, home ownership related to the CFP. So I would say it's one of those areas that uh, students can really start putting their CFP skills to, to, to work right away, you know, yeah. not even just with your clients, with yourselves and your family members, you know, if you haven't run your, uh, your, uh, amortization calculations on your home mortgage yet, uh, you know, go ahead and do that. You know, you might, yeah. you might be a little depressed afterwards when you see how little, uh, <laughs> principal you've paid off, but it is a good uh, practice to get into, um, you know, start, start doing this in your real world now, and it'll be easy when you get to it on the exam.
1: Yeah, agreed. Yeah, well, uh, again, Jerry, best uh, wishes to you and your girlfriend as you continue your search. And um, I don't know, the, the most recent data that I've been reading on this front is that there's there's one of the greatest divides between average cost to own a home and then average cost nationwide to rent. Yeah. And I do think it seems as though some of those interest rates increases and the spike are causing some pause in in the the demand side um with new mortgage applications i think for the past few weeks have been going ticking lower Yep. um so we'll see how this plays out but i just hope things work out well for for you and um yeah what a what a great thing to be in this space as a home buyer but also with the cfp marks so uh yeah, wishing you wishing you the best. We'll keep you posted, listeners, on on how Jerry's house hunt goes.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, just know that if the housing market collapses overnight, just know that I bought the house the day before. That, that'll <laughs> that, that's my <laughs> luck. <laughs>
1: uh, well, let's yeah, let's hope not for the collapse, but that you do end up with the home. <laughs> yes. Hi, <laughs> right, Jerry. Awesome. Uh, Thanks for hey. thanks for uh, entertaining this and, and flipping the normal roles around. It was fun to interview you and uh, have you share your experiences and CFP knowledge uh, with the audience. So we'll, we'll keep on moving forward. Um, and also, just a quick note, those of you who are in the BIF review, you know the deal. For those of you that are not in the BIF review but studying for your, your July 2023 CFP exam, Um know that one of the things that our team does is we open up some a la carte uh, tools that you can purchase to support your studies. We have a great uh, financial calculator, Q bank. We have a mock exam that we can sell as a one-off. And um, we also have a uh, formula sheet mini course that really guides you through what each of those formulas are that you have on your provided sheet, how to use them, How to do the calculations, how to interpret the solutions. So, a lot of good stuff that'll be available to you. I I believe it's around week four in the cycle we open that up. So, if you're interested, reach out to me and the team. We'd be happy to talk to you some more.
0: Awesome. Sounds great. And uh, we'll see you all next week.
1: That's good. Thanks a lot, Jerry.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Adam.